But for those of you listening who don't have a thyroid issue, that feeling of unwellness still means something. It means something. It could mean another hormonal balance. It could mean insulin resistance. It could be adrenal fatigue. It could be an autoimmune issue cooking. But it's definitely not in your head. That's why I wrote a book called It's Not In Your Head. And it definitely needs to be looked at, but your primary care will not find it for you. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 496 with guest Dr. E. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. As usual, we are still on the women's health, women's health, excuse me, uh, theme that we're doing this year as we close out 2022 and head into the new year. And then coming up in the new year, we're going to have a few more episodes of these. And then we are going to do, we're moving into the recovery theme, which I'm, I'm really excited about. Hey, let me know. If you like these themes, um, send me a DM on Instagram. And if we don't, if we're not already friends over there, it may take me a little bit to get back to you because I kind of check my other messages every um, couple weeks or so. But let me know how you're liking these themes. And if there's a particular theme that you wish that I would get some experts on. And in the new year, we're also going to be sending out a survey. I like to get your feedback every once in a while. I like to do it every year or so. So keep your eyes out for that. And next week, I'm excited because we're broadcasting our Ask Me Anything call. It's coming out as a podcast episode. So stay tuned for that. And last but not least, announcement. You have probably heard me talking about it. How to Stop Feeling Like Shit is being re-released. It's going to ship on the 27th of December, which is coming up here in just a few days, 2022, depending on what year you're listening to this in. And it is the updated version of How to Stop Feeling Like Shit that came out several years ago. We have a bunch of bonuses that are happening right now. You can get a book plate, which is essentially a sticker branded How to Stop Feeling Like Shit sticker with personalized, and I'll sign it, personalize it, send it to you, snail mail style. We have a secret podcast series. It's four episodes long that coincides with the book. There's a free workbook for you to download. There is all kinds of fun things. We're doing a giveaway in a couple weeks, a drawing if you share about the book. Lots of fun stuff. So head on over to andreaowen.com slash HTSFLS. All the details are there. And today's episode again, on women's health, uh, is someone that I found on social media talking about particular symptoms that I was having in my life. And I thought, I need to have this person on the show because I think she's going to be so helpful to many of my listeners. So for those of you that don't know her, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. 
Efrat Lamandre, also known as Dr. E, owns and operates her own medical practice, EG Healthcare, which provides pediatric, adult, and geriatric care to over 20,000 patients. In addition to her primary care practice, she has taken conventional medicine to the next level with her signature process, The New Method. The New Method helps patients take control of their health destiny using a functional medicine approach that empowers them to finally realize that their symptoms are not in their head. As a result, she helps people optimize their health, prevent illness, reduce medication, and feel great. So without further ado, here is Dr. E. Dr. E, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure and honor. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so there's a lot to cover. And you and I were chatting before I started recording, and we decided to kind of start with... and. Everybody listening, I'm not being selfish just to like have Dr. E come on here and talk about <laughs> about all my ailments. That would be a boring podcast episode. But I think I, I was briefly telling her my synopsis over the last couple of years. And she was like, let's use that as an example because just 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 trust the process, everybody. Yes. All right. So for those that don't know, pretty much around the onset of the pandemic, I think it was just a handful of months after that, I, I started to have physical symptoms. And by the way, at that point, I was 46 years old. I was having um, joint pain, mostly in my lower extremities. I was having some sleep issues. My biggest symptoms is that I was exhausted, exhausted, but I was getting enough sleep and just a huge mm-hmm. lack of motivation. Mm-hmm. I got put on an antidepressant. And what else did they do to treat me? So it was the antidepressant. And I think that was it temporarily. Oh, and then I did get a vitamin D supplement um, because my vitamin D was super, super low and a B12 supplement. And that was it. And then they sent me on my way. And I started to feel a little bit better in terms of just not wanting to, I mean, my depression, it was bad. I will say that it got a little bit better. I told my doctor, I said, I feel about 30% better. And they were kind of like, Mm -hmm well, that's amazing. (laughs) And I'm like, I still need to work. Like I still need to make a living and I don't feel like doing anything. What is, and I was just so tired. So the months and months and months went by, my labs were mostly normal, but my, I ended up pulling out, I mean, this was over a year of testing. I pulled out, I printed out all of my labs over the last like five years. And I looked for patterns and I saw that my thyroid was, my TSH was consistently climbing up until about, I think it was 4.47. And they were like, but it's normal because (laughs) it's below what we, you know, four and a half is, is, you know, still normal. So it was actually a woman, Dr. Margaret Romero was on my show and years ago and I DM'd her and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? And she's like, if you were a patient, I would be treating you for hundred percent. Yeah. That's she called it subclinical hypothyroidism. And so that that's what made me go back to my doctor and say, I need, I need more tests. I need you to help me. Like, is this perimenopause? Is this, and I hadn't had COVID yet. Um, and so finally I saw um not a functional medicine doctor, um, an endo endocrinologist. Thank you. Brain fog is another one. Endocrinologist. I almost said endometriosis. No, I did not see an endometriosis. Um, <laughs> and he diagnosed me with Hashimoto's. And I cried when I went out into the parking lot because I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, and I had gained 20 pounds quickly. That was another big symptom. And my regular doctor was like, well, you know, you're getting older. It's the pandemic. Everybody gained 20 pounds over the pandemic. That's what she said. 
And I was like, but it came on super quick and it's very unusual for me. I, I don't fluctuate with my weight. And so I just felt like, and I cried in her office too. And I said, I feel like my body is trying to tell me something and I don't know what it is. And then that's when she looked me in the face and was like, sometimes this is just getting older. Oh my God. That's when I was like, I'm actually nauseous from this whole story. So if I, I ended up going on Facebook and finding, um, a gr- I, what did I, I found, oh, I just, in my like local mom's Facebook group, I was like, please help somebody help me. Here are my symptoms. And, and then people said, you need to see an endocrinologist. And that's when yeah. I got my diagnosis. So I just, I, I'm so happy you started with this. And this is why I said to you, we should start with your Mm-hmm. Um, experience because your experience is just about every woman's experience when they go um, to their primary care. Now, let me just say this. Um, and, you know, I'm not against primary care. I'm not against conventional medicine. I practice it every Monday. I still practice in conventional medicine. I used to do it full time, but like quick recap, I switched gears years ago when my wife wasn't well mm-hmm. and conventional medicine wasn't helping us. And that's how we got into it. We'll get into that later. Okay. But so, but the point is, I am not against conventional medicine at all. I'm not against prescribing medications. I'm not against any of that. If you're sick, it's the right place to be because you will get a diagnosis, but it is designed to find a pathology, a sickness. Okay. If you don't have a pathology, there is nothing wrong with you in air quotes, but you don't feel well. There is no space for you in primary care. That does not deal with unwellness. It deals with sickness. So if you're sick, great. You have pneumonia, great. Mm-hmm. You need antibiotics. Right. God forbid you have cancer, you know, you're going to need certain treatments. But if you're just not well, don't actually don't get frustrated by a PCP because they don't have the answer for unwellness. So it's kind of it's not really their fault. It's like just their education kind of stops at a certain point. There's no malice. These are good people. We're not paid by pharma. There's no big conspiracy. Mm-hmm. We went to school to find a diagnosis. And I used to do the same thing. So and I, from the first years of my practice, I, I was guilty of the same thing, but you're fine. Go lose some weight. You know, maybe you're depressed, maybe anxious, and there's no malice. It's right. just, there's nothing there. Right. And so, and so you send the patients on their way. So I encourage you when you go to your PCP, if they say there's nothing wrong with you, don't get frustrated, be happy that there's nothing wrong with you, but then find a different type of provider okay. because you can't ask a electrician to do plumbing. Right. Right. Okay. That makes so, sense. And so what happens is, you know, and then there's anger and, and justifiably so, but I'm just trying to like tell people like, it doesn't matter how many times you go, they mm-hmm. still are going to use the same tools. So let's talk about what you described and then I'll go specifically to thyroid, but many of your listeners, I'm sure are resonating with like, yes, yes, yes. My joints hurt. I have brain mm-hmm. fog. I'm gaining weight. I don't feel good, but I went to for my annual. Everything's fine. I got my pap smear. I did, I did everything they tell me to do and they can't find anything. And that's because they're doing, I don't want to say the wrong test for wellness. So let's talk about thyroid and then I'll give you other examples. So in your case, every time you went to the doctor's office, they did a test called TSH, thyroid stimulating Mm -hmm. hormone. That is the test we're taught in school to run. If it is okay, the patient is okay. Again, no malice. Or at least their thyroid is okay. Yes, their thyroid is okay, mm-hmm. which means the patient is okay. Remember, in this world, it's all about diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. So the thyroid is okay, the patient is okay. So you're okay, go on your way. You're depressed, here's an antidepressant. You're stressed, maybe you have a lot of kids, maybe you take care of your parents, maybe you have a high stress career, but it's always going to go back to, you know, like suck it up. Yeah. And that's going to be the <laughs> suck it's it the up. American way. 
<laughs> I mean, yes, really encourage people to power through, which which resiliency is important. But it's okay to also not feel well and figure that out. Like, and it's you know, and it's not weakness to 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 not feel well. It's something like you said, your body's telling you something. Right. So thyroid, you do TSH. If the patient is TSH is fine. No further testing should be done according to guidelines. Not laziness, guidelines. You went to an endocrinologist, but also if you would have went to me like a functional medicine provider, we know that the antibodies will cook for years, mm-hmm. 10 years, 20 years before the TSH will shift. Yeah. So we will run an antibody test. I run an antibody test on all my patients because I will have a lot of patients. It's like the check engine light. Check engine line is on, but the engine's functioning fine. But if you can inter, but they will have the symptoms, the waking, the cold, the fatigue. You can't intervene medically, like with med- medication at a certain point, but we could start with certain supplements that are really targeted for your thyroid. Really understand, you know, before I even get to treatment, first of all, like you said, you cried in the parking lot. I did. First of all, to empower the patient that you're not crazy mm-hmm. and that what you're feeling is real. And it's not because you're weak and you're not powering through. And it's not because you're lazy. And it's not because you ate too much apple pie. It's because you have a thing. And that in itself is so empowering. And then we could talk about the treatment. So so what you experience classically happens to in various diagnoses. Thyroid is the easy one because we have this antibody testing that if we would just run it, yeah, we'd have the answer. It took about a year and they ran it and then didn't say anything. I'm the one when I told you, like I printed out all of my labs, I looked at it and then, and then I, I was Googling, like, what is, what do all these acronyms? Like, I don't know what any of this is. And then I saw that it was the antibody thing. And I'm like, is this related to thyroid? So it's like, I was the one that was doing all the research and, but it was never flagged by my general practitioner. It's not flagged because there's nothing to do for it. Okay. Again, not because he's a bad doctor or she's a bad mm-hmm. doctor. There is nothing to do for antibodies in conventional medicine. Again, you're you're asking, what is he going to do? He's going to tell you of antibodies and there's no medication to give you. Now, the other doctor you spoke to on the podcast, I forgot her name, but there is a world. So in primary care, the parameter of like thyroid is roughly one to four. So if, as long as you're not under four, it's four point something. As long as you're not over that four point something, we don't medicate. But in functional medicine, we will start medicating if you're like close to three. Okay. And the reason is because this is when I learned this years ago, I was like blown away. The reason, so how are these parameters made? Like, how is it made one to four, one to three? Who decided that? What's normal? Well, they take an average of all the humans that they test kind of in the world. And then they kind of this, you know, I'm simplifying it, but then they create averages. But those averages include the sickest people Hmm. in the ICUs. So the average over the years, if you would have checked the normal average 20 years ago, it was very different. It keeps creeping to the right. So what's considered a normal thyroid. So anytime you want to talk to someone who's like, if you're trying to get pregnant, they're going to bring it close to two. Forget about four. Fertility. Like there are so many times when they realize that that four is really not optimized. So that's why this other doctor told you, hey, I would have medicated you already as you were creeping up into Mm -hmm. four. Because we're following a little bit of different guidelines, there's a bit more awareness. But for those of you listening who don't have a thyroid issue, that feeling of unwellness still means something. Mm -hmm. It means something. It could mean another hormonal balance. It could mean insulin resistance. It could be adrenal fatigue. It could be an autoimmune issue cooking. But it's definitely not in your head. That's why I wrote a book called It's Not In Your Head. And it definitely needs to be looked at. 
but your primary care will not find it for you. I, what, in one, after one of those appointments with my primary care doctor, I started questioning, I was like gaslighting myself. I'm like, am I making all this up? Yeah. I really <laughs> dug deep and was like, am I, well, I know I've gained weight because I can see those numbers on the scale, but like, am I tired? Am I just lazy? Like, am I just I, lazy? Yes. I went through that whole thing. Um, or is this how a, a woman is supposed to feel at this age? Like I felt mm-hmm. like, and then I remember thinking also, if this is how I'm supposed to feel, I don't want it. Like, how am I going to feel when I'm 67 or 87? Yes. Like this is, this sucks. Yeah. And so. that's a really good point too, because you will turn, people will turn to their peers mm-hmm. and say, wow, I'm, I'm freaking exhausted. I'm, you know, and, and they're like, yeah, me too. I've ex- yeah, me too. So now it's normalized. Right. Well, we all feel crappy. Well, this must be what it's like to be 40 or 50 mm-hmm. or 60 because all your peers feel crappy because there's this general acceptance, again, right? that if you're not sick, then the rest is just a mindset issue. You're right. just lazy. You just, you know, get off the couch, come on, work harder, you know, exercise more. And so, and so you do gaslight yourself because, well, all right, I'm, I'm not feeling well, but my sister doesn't feel well. My best friend doesn't feel well. I guess this is 40. I should just, and this authority figure in the, in the primary care setting is telling me I'm fine you know, maybe I am just anxious about my health. So it's very easy to go down that road and question yourself. Well, I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but, and I am seeing a functional medicine doctor now. It's a a new relationship. She's here locally where I live. What is the difference? Like how does functional medicine work and how is it different than just like a general um, practitioner? Okay. Great question. Um, so functional medicine really believes that you have to get to the root cause. Let's give a classic example, right? If I say to you, you have diabetes, the root cause is obviously because you're eating too much sugar, mm-hmm. right? That's a pretty obvious one. But if, I, if, if you didn't know, like, oh man, I have diabetes. I need this medication. Wow, there is something wrong with my body. No, there isn't. You're just eating too much pizza, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can eliminate the pizza and the carbs, your diabetes will get better, right? That's a clear one to see. But that's true for just about every disease. We just don't have that kind of clear spectrum. So for example, back to your thyroid issue. Oh my God, I have a thyroid issue. I need medication, which by the way, once you do need medication in thyroid, unless it's very early, you probably are going to need it forever. Mm -hmm. But what is the root cause? Why did I get Hashimoto's? Why did I get it? Is never a question that's asked in primary care. So the root cause for most people with Hashimoto's is probably leaky gut and a gluten sensitivity. And until we discover that piece and get that person off the gluten and repair the leaky gut, that person's thyroid is going to continuously get worse and need more and more medication. The goal with thyroid treatment for functional medicine, by the way, for those listening, is that is to stabilize your thyroid, not necessarily to come off the meds, but for it to not to continue to need more. So that it's a root cause conversation. Why do I have, I just have this whole, you know, I was just telling you this whole um, debate on TikTok, because I I did this this uh, TikTok about fibromyalgia, and I said it's not an acceptable diagnosis. I didn't say it wasn't real. That's what that was on my list of things to ask you about. Okay, cool. Because like there's there's like a whole big thing happening, and it's like exciting. It's a big debate. Yeah, it's a big debate. I I got excited because someone duetted me, so I guess I made it in life. So what I said, and I doubled down because I even did a second video on it. Fibromyalgia is real. I didn't say it's not real. There's an ICD-10 code for it. There's criteria on how to diagnose it. There's even a test supposedly that tests for it. What I said was it's not acceptable because what's the root cause? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So to walk around and say, I have fibromyalgia, it literally just means my fibers hurt. That's, yeah. that's all it means. Um, and the test just shows inflammatory markers. That's all. It so I have pain. I have inflammatory markers. Awesome. Thanks for the name. It's real. But what's mm-hmm. the root cause? So it's about finding out the root cause. And for a lot, and, and each person's different. For some people, it'd be as easy as fixing their nutrition. For some people, they're exposed to mold. For some people, they're exposed to pesticides. For some people, it's hormonal. Um, so it's about the cause as opposed to just putting the label. So that's a functional medicine about what's happening. Why are you, why are you here in my office? Mm-hmm. How could we, how can we get you to no longer need me? That's, I yeah. guess, that's it. Okay. So it's, it's accepting that it's not just random <laughs> magic that you have pain in your body and then get the fibromyalgia so that something is actually causing it. Yes. Okay. And, and, and that's true. For, it's not and putting fibromyalgia aside back to your aches and pains. It's not I'm 50. My knee is supposed to hurt. It's mm-hmm. not I'm 60. I'm supposed to be tired. It's I'm 60. And for the past 60 years, I've probably been eating and living a certain way, which has accumulated yeah. and has caused me these pains. But if I can hopefully reverse them in time. Right. So that it's really all about root cause. That's what functional medicine is about. <laughs> This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So you guys might know that I have two teenagers right now. They are 15 and 13. And there have been a few moments where I've thought to myself since they've been teens, it would be so amazing if these babies had been born with owner's manual, you know, like a user's user's manual like cars have. So I just like know everything and like what to do, but that's not how life works. (laughs) And although that's frustrating, therapy can be, I feel like, just as helpful. Some of the things I've learned in therapy are better coping skills self-empowerment, communication, dealing with trauma, seeing my own blind spots. And that's just a few things off the top of my head that I remember learning from therapy. And the world's largest therapy service is BetterHelp. They have matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists that are available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It could not be simpler. There are no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash kickass. That's betterhelp.com slash kickass. Fibromyalgia and irritable bowel syndrome, and maybe even adrenal fatigue, kind of fall under that same umbrella of kind of like diagnosis that gets thrown at people, and then they're like, "Well, now what do I do with that?" It just and so, and IBS seems to be one of those things because my daughter was diagnosed with IBS. Adrenal fatigue is different, but okay. IBS and fibromyalgia I would put in the same group. Oh my god, I'm saying this. I know some people are going to go bananas. Like good bananas or like rotten bananas? <laughs> I mean, it depends. I have some people who actually are so excited that I'm calling out fibromyalgia for what it is. Um, and then I have those people who are like, how dare you say this about fibromyalgia? And I'm like, I'm on your side, bro. I want yeah, yeah, to yeah. I yeah, get to the heart to of what's going relief. on. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not actually saying that you don't have pain. Okay, so fibromyalgia discussed. IBS is like a fibromyalgia in that, again, what they have in common, fibromyalgia and IBS, is that the doctor did all the tests and they are all negative. Mm-hmm. So the criteria for fibromyalgia and IBS is after, you know, I'm simplifying, but after running all the tests, no other diagnosis has been found. The patient still has the symptoms. So you give it this name, irritable bowel syndrome. 
which is different than IBD, irritable bowel disease, inflammatory bowel disease, which is a significant disease. So it's not that. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. It means your bowels are irritated. Why are they irritated? Right. Right. And in that constellation, some people have diarrhea, some people have constipation. So what the heck? Mm-hmm. IBD or, or IBS, or I, or, no, yeah. it's, it's IBSD or IBSC, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, how is this? What What's happening here? So IBS, again, why IBS is so important is first of all, I have to figure out why. Why are you having these cramping and this diarrhea? And because we, if it is irritating your belly, here's what's important. It's also irritating the rest of your system. Yeah. So if you have psoriasis, it's going to make your psoriasis worse. If you have brain fog, it's going to make your brain fog worse. If you have asthma, it's going to make your asthma worse. So it's not just about fixing your IBS. It's about fixing it so your system calms down. So IBS, fibromyalgia, both of them. Docs did everything. There's nothing there. Have a nice day. Adrenal fatigue is on the other side. Conventional medicine doesn't believe in adrenal fatigue. Yeah. yeah. My my doctor actually, all she did was tested my cortisol, which You're, came back normal. Of course it did. She tested on a blood test in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's going to give you no information. So <laughs> conventional medicine, when it comes to your adrenals, they're either too on, which you're in the ICU for, or too off, and you're in the ICU, and everything else in the middle is fine. Literally, hmm. literally, there is no such thing as adrenal fatigue. They're either on or they're off, like too much, too little. Both of them are life-threatening and nothing in the middle. So if you try talking about adrenal fatigue, if you go to endocrinologist, he or she will roll their eyes. And that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's your answer that you need to get a different doctor. Yeah. <laughs> adrenal fatigue is tested in... Um, certain labs, not Quest, not LabCorp. It's a saliva test and it's four points throughout the day. Because what the heck is it going to tell me if your cortisol levels are at 10 a.m.? I need to know the whole day. How are you when it's at least four? Some didn't do six. How are you when you first wake up? How are you at lunch? How are you between lunch and dinner? How are you with so dinner? It shows a comparison. And you would be amazed, right? It's supposed to be like this, like high in the morning and then low. Then I have some people that shoot up at night. Well, those are the people who can't fall asleep. I have some people who are flatlined. They have nothing all day. These are the people that say, I cannot exercise. I'm too exhausted. Go yeah. tell this person to keep exercising. They can't, right? Yeah. So adrenal fatigue is so real and it's measurable. It's quantifiable. It's treatable. It's just not accepted by conventional medicine. That's why it's kind of on the other side of it. And this is one of those things, if you have a patient, any listener who's not feeling well, you should be tested for adrenal fatigue. The primary care will not do it. Can we talk about lactose intolerance? Because I watched one of your videos and I always thought lactose intolerance is like either you have it or you don't. But what was interesting that I found is that I've always been able to tolerate dairy. And then I got pregnant with my second child. First Mm -hmm. child was totally no big deal. Second child, I could not tolerate it at all. None of it. And then after she was born, when I would nurse her, she would get fussy when I would have dairy. And then this is the same child that got diagnosed with IBS Mm -hmm. who loves yogurt (laughs) (laughs) when she was six or seven. And so I thought, well, it can't be because I've always been able to tolerate dairy. So tell us because I because according to your video like it can kind of like kind of it's a spectrum a a fair weather friend type of thing it's a spectrum it's a spectrum so just like um gluten is a spectrum just like everything you know think about let's go let's go easy let's go like alcohol Mm -hmm. because some people can have one drink and they're completely wiped out and some people can have one drink and they're fine two drink and five by the time you're on the fifth you're like not speaking right so 
the same thing as lactose. I just made up those two connections. I don't know why I just came to my head because yeah, I try to. A, I think that's a good. Okay. <laughs> that's a good correlation. Yeah. So the same thing. So now some people have true, true, true lactose and almost like an allergy, and they have it almost from birth. As soon as they have it, these are the kids that are projectile vomiting when they have it. They're mm-hmm. sick immediately. They have it, and then for the rest of us, it's shades of tolerance because it's all about how much of the enzyme lactase do we have in our body. If you're born with none, you cannot handle any lactose. Mm-hmm. If you're born with some, you can handle some lactate, l- lactose. As we age, we make less of this enzyme. So in your 20s, you can have the ice cream sundae. In your 30s, it starts to hurt you. In your 40s, you're like, I can only have one bite because you're making less of the enzyme, which is why it's really important when you're testing to see if you're tolerant, you have to test it like with a lot. Cause like I could have cream in my coffee and be fine, but I should not conclude that I'm not lactose intolerant. Cause if I had cream in my coffee and a cheesecake, it'd be a wrap. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to test it, don't just have a teaspoonful. Obviously if a teaspoonful does it for you, don't continue to test. Right. Then but make right sure you truly test it. And this is really important because, so you don't want, like people say, I need to test. You don't need to test. You, you drink the milk, your stomach hurts. That's your test. M- move on. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. No, you don't need to test. But you don't want to bypass this. You don't, because if your belly is angry, again, everything is going to be angry. I cannot tell you how many children I see, this is especially true for children, whose eczema is so related to dairy. I take these kids off of dairy, the eczema goes away. Of course, when I bring this up in a medical conference, I'm actually laughed out the door because there's no studies on it. Because who's going to fund the study? Not the milk company. (laughs) Not the steroid company. Right. No one's going to fund a study. But anecdotally, I treat over 20,000 patients. 50% of them are pediatrics in my primary care practice. My, they, a, a seven-year-old kid comes in like, they're a mess here. Let me mm-hmm. just try 30 days out there. What do you have to lose? There's no side right. effects to trying. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Invariably, the parents come back and say, oh, my God, the eczema is gone. And then, you know, when this ice cream truck comes again in the summer, it gets worse. And they're able, mm-hmm. So they're able to kind of find the sweet spot for their kids. But it's really important that you manage it. So my functional medicine doctor, well, even before before I saw her, you know, I'm in these Facebook groups now, these Hashimoto's groups, and everyone's talking about how they cut out gluten. And I'm learning about, you know, like how the, the relation to your thyroid and autoimmune. And I'm, and I have, and I did it for two months and I was really great about it. I did not cheat and I felt no different at all. And so I was like, okay, then I'm not, then it's fine. But my functional medicine doctor said, she's like, that might, she's like, my guess is it's still a problem for you, but you're not just seeing these like big sweeping changes in like your bloating or the way that you feel. She's suspicious that it might be corn for me. Um, So here, so here's, so it's two different corns and everything. (laughs) Here's here's, there's two different conversations. One conversation is the healthier thyroid. And the other conversation is how do I feel? And you put them together. You put them together that, that you know, since I didn't feel a difference, it must, must not be making a difference. And that is not 100% accurate. So Hashimoto's almost always reacts to gluten. Yeah. You may not feel that mm-hmm. because what happens is the antibodies are building up, building up, building up, building up, pounding, pounding, pounding. And the reason that happens, by the way, is because there's something called molecular mimicry. So the right. same antibodies that are coming to gluten are also attacking parts of your thyroid. So every time you have a sandwich, it's attacking your thyroid and you feel fine. This is kind of like my patients who have high blood pressure, but I feel fine. Yeah, but it's still pounding on the kidneys. So you feel fine. 
until you don't. Until you until, don't, and you until, don't want to get to that place. Yeah, until the TSH gets to seven, eight, and now you need to up your meds. Remember I said managing thyroid is about not having to up your medication. So you're going to feel fine. So that's it. That is like a prevention. That's like saying, you know, I don't need pap smears because I don't feel anything, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Okay. So that's <laughs> that. How you feel may or may not be a gluten issue because now you're talking about a GI sensitivity, right? This is a thyroid sensitivity, but your GI may not react to gluten, but clearly something else is reacting to your GI and you're measuring how well you're doing but how your belly's feeling, which is good, but that's not the necessarily the thyroid connection. That's not so all the answers. removing the other problem, people who say I'm going gluten-free is the now switch to gluten-free garbage, okay. gluten-free yeah. Oreos, gluten-free chips, gluten-free pancakes. All of it is made with corn. Corn is like the <laughs> other devil. And so now you're just eating crap, mm-hmm. but it ain't gluten-free. So of course you're not going to feel well because you're still eating gluten-free nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. Not you, like, you know, whoever. Yeah. You, well, you it, it's so, me. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this gluten-free stuff is still not, it's still not where it's at. And it might probably is more than just corn. The problem with corn is that it's probably causing insulin resistance in your body, which is causing aches and pains. So it, corn is really problematic. The corn of this industrialized agriculture is really problematic. And I can go off on that tangent. So yeah, so you want to, in addition to gluten, you're going to want to eliminate the things that are angering your belly. It's not that gluten isn't where it's at. It's that gluten wasn't enough to remove. You need to remove more. That's what I, I'm afraid is the answer. I'm <laughs> yes, still in a little bit answer. of denial, to be honest it's with you. The- like it just, and I, and I think it's worth mentioning, you know, so many people are gluten-free and for whatever reasons. But I think that like no one's talking about when you have to cut out something from your diet that's been a staple your whole life, there can be an emotional component to that that's like this grieving process. And like, I'm almost embarrassed to say it out loud, like, oh, how sad for you that you can't have like crescent rolls anymore. <laughs> like, but it's it's a thing. It's like, God damn it. Like it just it's a it's Ooh. life-changing. Food is and food is the hardest thing to give up. It's everywhere you go, every celebration, every memory you have, mm-hmm. everything. You know, let's have a party. Let's get married. Let's have a birthday. Everything's around food. What are we eating? Where are we going? You want to go out? Like, it is, it's everywhere. It is not easy. And this is why, like, when I work with my patients, I'm like, okay, here's the ideal scenario. I would love for you to be on this. And some people are great. Let's do it. No problem. Yeah. Give up everything. And some people come back a few weeks later. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And then I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Where can we meet? Where can yeah. we meet? And this is where, this is why I work my patients no less than one year. Like if you cannot commit to a year, I'm not your girl. It's not a 30, 60, 90 boot camp situation. Okay. It's at least a year because we're going to have to find the path that works for you. And and some people might be great for the first 30 days and then they're like, forget it. And they go off completely. And you never see them and again. So where, where do we <laughs> We never see him again. And so I always tell my patients, just show up. I mean, I have patients that we have to accommodate for drinking because mm-hmm. that's kind of their life. And that's a different addiction that we have to deal with. I have to patients that accommodate for, for the fact that they're in different time zones. And so intermittent fasting becomes an issue. I have patients, like there's all different levels. So there is like an ideal, like I wish everybody could be on this. But if you have to recognize what people are bringing with them, their package that they bring with them to this, 
and you have to help them get to like a, a place that works for you. Well, another variable in in my whole journey, my this health journey, is that I'm at the age where you know perimenopause could be a thing, and I had my hormones checked and everything looks normal. So they were like, "No, you're not in perimenopause or close to menopause." I'm assuming that for women, and so your practice is you you mostly only work with women. I work with everyone. It happens you to do. be that mostly women come to me because they tend to be the most dismissed. <laughs> right. Adds a whole layer of additional symptoms that have to be looked at because of the way that our hormones work. And then we go through this quote unquote change of life at a certain age or women who are struggling with their fertility if they're, you know, under a certain age. So does that add a whole additional? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I just did actually just before I got on this podcast, I just did um, an episode on hormones. Um, so first of all, I'm sorry, how old are you, if I may? 47. Okay, you're in perimenopause. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the blood work says. Okay, mm-hmm. you're perimenopause. You're in perimenopause pretty much from 40 on until you're in menopause. And menopause just means, this is again one of those things that like infuriate me. Menopause means you stopped your period for 12 months in a row. So yeah. like until then, so when am I perimenopause? Oh, the entire time before. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there is no test. There is no test. What they're testing is FSH to let you know if you're in menopause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, follicle stimulating hormone will go up, but there is no test for perimenopause. It's your symptoms. It's your symptoms. You know, I'm fatigued. I might have hot flashes sometimes, and and one month might be great, and one month might not be great because your yeah. hormones are fluctuating. And there really mm-hmm. is no way to test for perimenopause because of that fluctuation. So we have to go based on the symptoms. Generally speaking, we don't. Generally speaking, we try not to do hormone replacement therapy for people in perimenopause because it fluctuates so much. Sometimes we do. Um, mostly it's postmenopausal. Okay, so that being said, if you're feeling unwell, it's top bottom, it's top to bottom. Always, always fix your adrenals. Adrenal cortisol is a hormone. So when we say hormonal imbalance, everyone thinks progesterone, estrogen, testosterone. Yeah. It's not that. That's the bottom. You gotta fix your cortisol. Mm-hmm. Insulin is a hormone. You have to fix your insulin level. If your diet is off, if your nutritional house is not tidy, the rest of your hormones going to be a mess. For women, it will elevate testosterone. For men, it will elevate their estrogen. So like we got to top down, right? We have to fix cortisol hormone. We have to fix insulin hormone. Got to make sure your thyroid's on point. Thyroid mm-hmm. stimulating hormone. It's a hormone. That's a hormone we have to. Then and only then we can start talking about your sex hormones. Because a lot of times hmm. in the perimenopausal stage, when you're still producing hormones, a lot of times just fixing those takes away all the symptoms, normalizes your horm- your sex hormones. Right? Postmenopausal, it's a little different because they're not producing certain hormones, so we have to sometimes replace them. So we have to do that. Then we talk about the other hormones, which is estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So top down usually normalizes most of it. And then when we get to that postmenopausal stage, we could talk about hormone replacement therapy, Bioidentical, by the way, not regular hormone placement therapy. If you walk away with one thing, please remember that. And for me personally, I will not address hormone replacement therapy with my patients unless they do the other work. Did I hear somewhere that vitamin D is actually a hormone? It is. Yeah, it is. No wonder I felt like shit. It is a hormone. It is. (laughs) And it is part of uh, like enzymatic processes all over your body. It's not teeth and bones. That's like just like one of the things on the list. Everyone like teeth and bones and my teeth are fine. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's like everywhere. Vitamin D is a coenzyme and it, it's like it's in it's everywhere. 
What is the controversy? Why do people get so all up in their feelings about hormone replacement therapy? I mean, I haven't even opened up that yeah. door to research yet because I'm not postmenopausal, but I've heard people like, like people are all like fist fighting over this. <laughs> yeah. What's 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 the, the deal? The controversy is that HRT, hormone replacement therapy, that exists in conventional medicine is very problematic. Uh-huh. The bioidentical hormone therapy that exists in functional medicine, you can find functional gynecologists, functional endocrinologists, is not problematic. And people are getting them confused. So if you go to end, and they're also getting confused from things that happened in the 50s when we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Yeah. So you go to your GYN and say, hey, I'm having hot flashes. This is a postmenopausal woman. Your GYN will likely give you something called Premarin. There's only two, there's really only two products out in the conventional world, Premarin and Prempro, both made from horse urine, both a very high I'm dose. sorry, did you say horse urine? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I did. Okay, continue. <laughs> they take the estrogen from horse urine because somehow horses and the humans, uh, whatever. And they're, they're both high doses. They don't really address the issue. For postmenopausal women, the issue is actually not that your estrogen drops. It does drop, but the issue is that because your progesterone dropped as well, you're actually estrogen dominant. So now you're giving them more estrogen that they don't really need. So now you have a lot of adverse Oh, so it's the ratio that's the problem, not necessarily just one of the hormones. Okay, got it. So they they slap you with this, like either like gel or a patch or pills of estrogen, which you probably didn't need anyway, because that wasn't the issue. Now you have increased risk of cancer, increased risk of blood clots, like all these things that come with it. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's HRT. Bioidentical okay. hormone therapy. It's not natural hormones. It's still man-made. I don't want... My wife was pointing out yesterday because I always read my talks to her first. So, so it's not man, It's still man-made, but it is designed to molecularly mimic human estrogen, which okay. is already said. And it is compounded specifically. You can't get it. You can't just get it at CVS. You have mm-hmm. to use a compounding pharmacy. Specifically, your provider needs to know what they're doing specifically for you, not a one size fits all, based on results. I like to do saliva testing based on results tailored to you. Some people just need, some people just need E3. Some people need E3, E2, progesterone and test, testosterone. Everyone's different. Each each one of my patients here has a completely different cream than the other. Um, some people need it vaginally. Some people just need it on their skin. So, mm-hmm. so it is a completely different world of hormone replacement therapy, which is not just for symptoms, it's actually to prevent issues. Like it is the first thing I'm doing once I'm I, I'm 50, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm not post I'm not menopausal yet. As soon as I am, it's the first thing I'm doing because of its benefits. It is cancer protective, bone protective, heart protective, because it's giving you, it's actually replacing what you're missing as opposed to overdosing you with just with stuff that you don't stuff. need. And so I, I encourage anyone who's researching this, when you read the studies online, make sure you ask, you're finding what kind of hormones were given. Was this HRT? Was this high dose? Or was it BHRT? Uh, because uh-huh. you will notice that all the studies that say it's not so good is HRT high dose, usually oral. So and all- when you say the studies that say it's not so good, the studies that say that it points to increased risk of breast cancer. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. So always look at what they're not equal. Look at what okay. was the hormone replacement given. Um, and especially oral estrogen is like it's so problematic as opposed to transdermal. So so there's just there's controversy 
because there was a lack of understanding of the different types that are available there. Okay. So both sides are right, right? So the HRT does have adverse effects, mm-hmm. but the BHRT mm-hmm. is, has a much better safety. I can never say it has no side effect. Everything has a potential side effect. Sure. I can't say zero, but has such a good safety profile and is protective. I think that that's the part where that's like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not ready to open that door because it's it's overwhelming because then you have people who are like pro estrogen and then the other people who are like, no, pro like the, the and it's just like, oh my God, my head's going to explode. And it's, it's like walking into a football game where there's two different teams that are just fierce <laughs> rooting for their team. And you're like, you're like, I don't even know how to play this game. It's the same thing with gluten, right? Before, right. like, did you not live at a time or at some point in your life and you're like, okay, gluten sensitive, get over yourself. Right. Definitely. I know I lived that life for a while and you're like, okay, you're not celiac, let it go. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gluten sensitive all of a sudden. And now you're like on this side, you're like, oh, sugar, I am gluten yeah. sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. So those teams exist. And in, honestly, and until it affects you or someone that you love, you stay on one side. And then when you, when you go through it, you're like, oh man, and the blinders come off and you come to the other side. The reason that my doctor thinks that it might be corn for me is because I've, I've been bloated like as long as I can remember forever. And I didn't even really know I was bloated until my daughter got her IBS (laughs) diagnosis. And the pediatric gastroenterologist said, you know, just kind of offhandedly that she has bloating. And I'm like, show me where this small child has bloating. So he, she was on her back and he's like, her stomach right here should look like this. And and she's like, see, there's this little lump. And I'm like, my stomach looks like that. And it always has. And he's like, you're bloated. (laughs) And so I did a whole 30 in 2015. I did a whole 30 in 2015. For the first time ever in my life, my stomach was completely flat. And and then again, when I cut gluten out, I'm still bloated. When I cut dairy out, I'm still bloated. Right. So that's why my doctor's like, it might very well be the corn. Corn, legumes, grains. It's a lot of stuff. Could Don't be tell me vegetables. I can't have hummus. What? Oh, yeah. Legumes <laughs> is big. Legumes yeah. Is big. And it might, and vegetables, vegetables is another one. Yeah. So raw vegetables give me gas right. and not vegetables. just like farts, but like, like that, that stomach churning just yes. hurts. Yeah. Some people, but cooked handle, vegetables right. are fine. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it could be more, it could be more than just that. And so that crazy. is going to be the reason for your joint pain and all that stuff. Till you fix that, the rest is not going away. So for people listening, who maybe are feeling unwell and they're not really getting anywhere with their regular doctor, can they can they do a consult with you? Like what is the advice that you have for them to take that next step to feel start to feel better? Absolutely. So first thing you do, always, always, always go to your PCP first. Never ever okay. self-diagnose. Go to your PCP. Let them send it to every specialist they want, the GI, the rheumatologist, whatever. Do it. Do it, do it, do it, because you want to make sure that there is nothing like there's so no like pathology. to rule certain things out yeah, you want to rule everything okay. out and then when they say everything's fine perfect you're in the right place either you can come work with me or another functional medicine provider so with me my company is called the new method and new is spelled with a k because you always knew there was a better way my patients always know that is so clever i didn't know that i didn't i knew it was called the new method but i didn't know that that was the connection yeah they that. always know they come in like mm-hmm. i knew it oh my god when we have this moment of like this they do. They always know. And just about any platform, except for Twitter, because I talk too much, um, there's a way to <laughs> message More us. than 144 characters. Exactly. <laughs> and then the new method.com. And you go on a consult. The first consult is free. You talk to my team. And my team tells you what the next steps are. Because we like to do saliva tests. And there's some questions we want to ask. 
and they'll walk you through that piece. And that's when you set up your schedule with me. Some people are not willing to do that work and that's okay. But yeah. just know that the first call for you is free. You can figure it out. And if it's for you, then they set up a time to meet with me. You and I have a 45 minute session. We go over everything. And then I connect the dots for you. And then you decide, some people are like, hey, great, thank you so much. And some people are like, okay, now how do I fix it? And then we could talk about how to work me for a year. Um, so that's it, the new method. I asked around in like one of those Facebook groups and, and there was a couple of functional medicine doctors in my area. I had a couple calls. That's what I did. And I'm like, okay, this is the one that I feel the best about. And so that link will be in the show notes. Is there anything that you want to circle back to, to say before we close up so you can feel complete or do you, are, are you good? I just want to tell everybody it's not in your head. I could have used that a year ago Yeah, because exactly. <laughs> I was starting to tell myself it was in my head. Thank you listeners so much for being here. I'm so grateful that you choose to spend your time with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.